Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and click on the Donate button. When you donate your hard-earned dollars to the station, you are supporting the Radio Free Brooklyn community and independent radio in the heart of the Internet. Go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com and click on Donate. Thank you. Right at the table. John. Yes, mother. Stop trembling at the table, Betsy. But, but, mother, I haven't seen Fido all day. Fido, okay, come. this is really weird. Won't he, darling? Why, of course. I can smell him now. <laughs> mother, may I please be excused? Not until you've eaten, dear child. As you know, there is a dog that has never ceased tormenting me. What have you done to my dog? Your disobedient, smelly, rebellious mutt is dead. Dead. Destroyed. Finished. Do you hear? Please. Not at the table. It is not true. What's wrong, son? Cat got your tongue. No dinner for you. You're building up to something. I know it. Watch while I lift the lid from this platter. I feast to the downfall of my family. Well, you see, Ben, um, after I made that air-conditioned nightmare trip, I had seen a good deal of the country. I spent a good year traveling around, you know. And when I got to California, I found it was much more congenial to me than other parts of the country. Um, it just hit me right. And then, as well, I you're tell up you... up on your luck or down on your luck? Oh, it had nothing to do with that. It was entirely aside and apart from any material... Quite, I was really down... In that whole uh, year and a half I spent in Beverly Glen, outside of Hollywood, why, I was living like a dog. I was, I even had to send out that uh, appeal for help in which I promised to people that if they would send me whatever they could, money, um, clothing, food, anything, I would send them a watercolor. And I did, you know. I kept that up for over a year. I sent everyone who sent, whether it was a dollar that I got, I sent them as good a watercolor as I could make. Do you know? Do you remember that time? Sure, the plight of the creative artist. That was a wonderful period, Ben. Wonderful, because uh, I got a real response, do you see, from people. People I didn't know either, who didn't even know me as, as a writer. I hadn't even read my books. They had just read that there was an American writer who was in distress and would do this thing, and they came across. I remember reading uh, Plight of the Creative Artist, and you make a point there. You say, I'm not going to be uh, betrayed by some commercial enterprise or sit in an advertising agency scribbling stuff I don't feel, right? Yes, right. You want to be a creative artist, and therefore part of creativity is to be free, is that right? That's right. So you say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take so many dollars a week to be betrayed. How did you put it? Well, I said that if you had a daughter, would you put her out on the street as a prostitute 
and then marry her later and say, well, what difference does it make? She's all right, you know, she uh, had to earn a living. We had to have the money, do you see? But it's all right, let's forget about it. Well, I feel it's much the same way when you start out. Okay, got it. All right. All right, I think I did it. All right, okay. All right, we'll let it go five minutes over because if that's okay. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Lisa. I'm coming with. You. I'm coming to you today from Brooklyn Free Radio with Dr. Le- Lisa. That's me. Gives a shit. And my guest today. It's incredible. We have Ken Johnson, who um, is an art critic for the New York Times, but he is also an incredible cartoonist and has this amazing cartoon called Ball and Cone, which we'll be psychoanalyzing, discussing with him. And uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think you guys are going to love this. But before we get started, I want to give like this huge shout out today for um, everybody, for us, for us, us Americans who finally all collectively got our shit together, at least as a nation, and made uh, you know being made same sex marriage normal, and that's all. I mean, it's kind of like a really simple thing that had a really long road. And I think that this is really great for everybody because it's just the more acceptance we can have as people of each other, uh, I think we're all going to have a lot more fun, basically, is what I'm saying. So anyway, hello, Ken. Ken Johnson, there he is. There he is live in front of me. Hi, Dr. Lisa. Hello. Um, So anyway, so I'm going to just get right into this. Um, I've kind of warned Ken about it. So my goal here is to make sure that uh, he's still, like, he's still, you know, is friendly to me after after we get through this. That's my whole goal today, and I think think we're going to get there. Um, So I've had the um, distinct pleasure of uh, spending a little time with Ken at a few social situations. I don't know him super well, but I certainly have a very specific impression of him, which I will share. And I also um, am very familiar with his comic, uh, Ball and Cone. So um, I'm going to combine my impression of him personally along with what I think about his, what he's expressing in his comic, and we'll see what we we come up with that. Ken, are you ready for this? I, I'm ready, yes. Yeah? Are you good with this? I, well... We'll see? We'll see, yeah. We'll see. We'll give it a <laughs> shot. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and I wanted to, as I told Ken before we started, I want to make clear that I have the utmost respect for Ken... Uh, before I met Ken, I uh, was very aware of his writing uh, about art in the New York Times, and um, I've always really respected Ken because of no- his taste. I love the uh, art art that he covers and chooses to cover, but I also think that Ken is very, he's a great writer, but he's also very um, straightforward and honest. I don't think Ken is thinking, what is anybody, what, what are they going to think? I don't think, I, don't, I get the impression that Ken to sometimes uh, creates problems for himself. Uh, his work has been controversial at times, but I don't think Ken is thinking about what are they going to think. Is that right, Ken? Is that pretty accurate? Well, you can't help but think people are going to read what you write. But I think my obligation is to be true to my own feelings. Yeah. So, so we're talking uh, a high level of integrity, enough that it's not you're not being like self-protective or promoting self-promoting which i think i think that's true can you agree with that you think 
I, well, you know, if you write for a widely read publication, that's enough. <laughs> you know. Well, I try, I try to promote Ball and Cone. Uh, that's why I'm here. Right. That's <laughs> why you are here. But I just wanted people to understand that um, where my respect for you um, comes from, that it's professional. It's, it has to do with um, your talent and your view of the world and you, your integrity. Uh, plus, you can, you, you're pretty fun. Um, but anyway, um, so Ball and Cone, it's a Tumblr and a book. And the Tumblr is ballandconetumblr.com or ballandcone.tumblr.com. Ducktumblr.com. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it, you you really should. Um it's 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 such a um interesting comic which we're going to try and explain just a tiny bit of or like the basic outline of it, the broad strokes of it so you can understand what our conversation is about. Um, and also, Ken has a book, um, a comic book, which is also, I have a copy of, which is also really, really fun and interesting and, and embodies all those aspects of what Ball and Cone is about. So you, if you go to the Tumblr, you can also purchase that. It's only $12. And if you, if you let Ken know that you heard about it here, he'll sign it. Right, Ken? If they want it signed, sure. They do want it signed. Everybody wants it signed. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Ken, I'm going to just, for uh, efficiency's sake, um, uh, uh, try to sum up your comic. Okay, so here's where we're going to get in trouble. Uh-oh. <laughs> just to start off. It's um, basically adventures of the simplest elements a ball and a cone and um they are they have a relationship they are very funny and expressive um mostly through the use of an eyeball they each have one eyeball and a lot of their situations are very um um about being inside a room being outside a room going different places they have adventures together they, they they both have feet and legs, but they don't have arms. Right, right. That's important, and too. And they don't have mouths and or, they don't, or, or any other features. Right, so they don't say anything. They, no. They are really, which I think is really interesting from the, you know, being an art reviewer, you're, um, it's about seeing, right? There's got to be, I mean, seeing seeing and expressing what you and talking about seeing is something that is yeah, no, very all, natural for you I believe and all they're able capable of doing is moving around to some limited degree and observing things Hmm. so is there anything I gave like a broad stroke so we can have a conversation is there anything else that you can add that, that would help people understand it if they don't have it in front of them go to the tumblr and look at it that'll help Right now on your phone, you could do it, but, you know, wherever you are. But is there anything else that I missed that would help people understand it? Well, I think to, uh, to you, they're kind of minimalist. Uh, I, I always try to, uh, rather than add more detail, to subtract as much, uh, to, to, to do as little as possible to convey whatever the situation is. So they tend to be schematic and pretty abstract and uh yeah that's just visually yeah yes yeah. yes and, and a lot of them follow a sort of some of them follow a standard you know frame by frame comic sequence and many of them are just single images but there are no gag lines there's no words there's no words that's key yeah. um they don't talk obviously but um and i think that point you made is really interesting is how minimal they are because they are they are really kind of the essence of what I guess a shape a space is and also at the same time the essence of what a person is a personality an emotion um, and um, their activities are you know well, often they're confronted by puzzling situations. Mm-hmm. Which, That's which helpful. Think, and <clears throat> also, I think 
because there's two of them, then between the two of them, they have two eyes. So I guess, what is it you call it when you have two eyes? Is it parallax vision or, you know, you can't, you can't see in depth with only one eye. If if I think that's true. Oh, that's interesting to be thinking about it that way. And they're friends, they're companions. uh, Yeah. And, and, but they're not gendered. Yeah. So um, I think that it seems as if you're boiling down a lot of the essence of humanity in in the world. Is that sort of? Well, I, some I don't. Of, I don't. It's a really think of it that I think more like. I mean, when I draw them, I just think I want to. Somehow, these two characters strike me as funny, and then I want to. I get ideas about where what they might do or be or go where they might go that strike me as funny, and that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really think of any messages or anything. Often, they are in galleries or museums, looking at sometimes recognizable artworks like Jeff Koons's uh, uh, balloon dog. Uh, one I did last night. They're looking at a. George, a, a uh, simulation of a George Baselitz painting. Mm. Baselitz is well is this German expressionist who whose signature device is to paint pictures and hang them upside down. I don't know if he paints them upside down, but he hangs them upside down. So the That's so funny. the one I pa- made last night is Ball and Cone are looking at this muddy picture of Ball and Cone hanging upside down in a gallery. To, to me, that's hilarious. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Well, um, so I, you know, it's funny because I saw the work and then I read this interview that is also on the top of your Tumblr that's fascinating. And I just, it gave me like a whole lot of perspective because I knew you were going to be on the show. And I re-looked at the book I have of yours and all the work on Tumblr. And then I read over this interview that I thought was really fantastic um, that was done with you um, that's on email on the site, atop the site, the Ball and Cone site, that is. And it's by Claire Donner of the Donner Party of One Tumblr. And um, it's a really great um, Tumblr that Claire Donner has. It's mostly about horror. It's like horror movies, comics, and pop culture. So she really did a fantastic interview with you that pointed out a lot of things that I hadn't thought of. So I have her interview here, and I'm going to steal some of the concepts that you talked about with her so we don't have to go through the same concepts again and we can build on them. That's the idea. Okay. I thought about this, Ken. Are you surprised? <laughs> look, I put. Look, guys, I want some credit here. I put some energy into this. No, we expect you to do your homework. <laughs> you, you know, that's just normal. You, oh. don't, get, you don't get props. Oh for that. man, you sound like my dad for real. No, you know what? You don't sound like Wait my dad. Minute. You sound Wait like my mother. No, no, because who are we psychoanalyzing? You or me? Uh, well, I'm a disaster. Um, so, uh, but um, okay, so. So, um, yeah, so we thought about this, and I'm going to do a station ID before we get get really into this because I'm afraid I'm not going to be thinking about it again. So what I want you to do is know that we are coming to you from Radio Free Brooklyn, which is the most excellent radio station in the Tri-State area, and we are sponsored by Paul Mitchell Hair Care. So if you have dirty hair <laughs> and you need to wash it, you should get some Paul Mitchell shampoo because it will clean your hair. Uh, yeah. You, is that the actual advertising copy? That, that is reading? actual advertising copy. I'm not reading it, but it is actual know, advertising copy. I'm promoting them. Yeah. I used to. I flunked out. Let's not talk. That's a long story. Uh, this is about you, Ken. Um, but it's sort of about me, too. I know. I know. I'm very self-involved, so I can't. I can't. I have to own that. Um, So anyway, Ken, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like the story, your interview. um, I want people to understand that the first time you made this ball and cone, um, this ball and cone comic came from um, a painting that you had made just when you had graduated, just right out of grad school. 
uh, actually at the start of grad school. At in, the start. In, in 1976. So you got married just right after you got married. Yeah. And you, um, so that you were really pretty, you were pretty, that's young, right? Be- you got married before grad school? Uh-huh. Wow. Right out of college. Right out of college, man. You really cut out like all that, yeah, yeah. That during the free love period. Um, anyway, so I'm going to uh, quote you uh, from this interview, and, it's, and Ken says, Ken says, I th- uh, and I quote, I think it was about my anxiety, the, the original painting we're talking about now, the original painting from when you first got married around that time. I think it was about my anxiety over having gotten married just a few months earlier. I wasn't quite all in psychologically. So here's the point that I wanted to make. The point I wanted to make was that I thought it was interesting that you had a specific psychological connection or a literal, more of a literal, less philosophical, more of a tangible way of connecting your emotions to that ball and cone. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, the the original painting was a picture of a little brick house uh, lit up within, it was a nocturnal image, Standing at the open door outside is the cone, and inside is was a ball in this empty room. And so the cone I thought of as sort of hesitating, probably was going to go in, but wasn't. And that was you, the cone. That seems more manly. The ball seems kind case, of female. In that, in my own sort of self-analysis, I did think of it as 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 a uh, as a gendered situation. But those objects were not. Uh, anthropomorphized. They didn't have legs or eyes. They were just oh, geometric objects. Well, so anyway, I find that uh, so I this is like where it started in 1976, and I think um, and it wound up in the hands of Ryan Treecart and your best friend's son, who's really a famous artist now, and um, then it got stolen, and that was terrible, I'm sure, and then um, you started redoing it, or you, you started back um, with that with those two, can we call them characters, Ball and Cone, just only a few years ago. I guess you must have been thinking about it, it was time to pick it up again. Oh, I always, after it was stolen, which was sometime, I think it was, I don't know, 2005 or six or sometime in there, I thought, well, I should make another version of it because it, it was a you wedding mean? present to Ryan Tricartan's parents. And I thought, I'll make a new one and give it to them. Oh. And I started by making a cartoon sort of version of it. But in that case, the characters, Ball and Cone, had eyes mm-hmm. and, and and feet. And you do think of them as genderless now, I know. Yeah, I thought, I didn't want it to be about, so much about their, the sturm und drang of relationship between them, which I fear would have happened if they were gendered. I wanted it to be more about them and possibilities in the world or a world or possible worlds. Right. So you wound up being interested and, and felt drawn. You you enjoyed, you you found doing the cartoons um, somewhat satisfying, I'm sure, on some level. I mean, they are really terrific and different from anything that you probably were doing at that time. I mean, you know, um, being that it's a different medium than writing for sure. And um, well, I had been making paintings in my spare time as as kind of a hobby for a long time. Mm. And I start. I just made a few of these cartoons and I shared them by email with uh, my kids. Claire Donner is my daughter. And and they said these are really cool. And Claire said you got to have a tumbler. And uh, so she created a tumbler for me. And then I thought well. I'll just start posting things. And I thought I assigned myself to post an image every day. Wow. And very rigorous. I didn't know how long that would go on. I thought, uh, you know, after I'd done a few, I thought, well, I could make about 50 of these. And I actually ended up posting every day for for two years. Wow. And and continue, although I don't do it every day now because they're starting to take longer to do, but uh, but several, th- three or four hours a week. Wow. That's really... Um, it's become this kind of onerous job now, and I spend as much time doing that 
and making no money. No money, yeah. It. But it must be very. The dream is, you know. The dream is that you will get, what is it, like a syndicated comic would be great. I don't know. I mean, I think. Or you're just going to see where it goes. It's growing, though, because I want to say that Ken has 6,800 followers on his Tumblr account, which I think is a shitload. And more than you imagine when you started, right? Like way more. I don't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't think. Yeah, you didn't think about it. So, but um, I guess like going through this interview, um, there's a few points that, there's a few themes that I found found um, that I was really interested and curious about. Um, one of them is that a lot of, I think people need to understand how interested in philosophy you are, which is a fairly abstract thinking pursuit, is it? Yeah, I'm a total philosophy junkie, although I've never had even taken a course in philosophy. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I like the mental exercise and the, you know, using reading different philosophers as a kind of uh, jungle gym. And I find it, you know, I don't know. I find it somehow helpful. Uh, Help me out here. I oh, know. okay. <laughs> you 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 find it. You enjoy it. That's all. It's very simple. You I like enjoy it. it yeah. It works with the way your brain works. See, I'm, I'm. I like I like in philosophy. You get these different models of reality. Mm-hmm. Every philosopher seems intent on saying this model of reality. This is the one, uh, and then some new philosopher comes along and says he either modifies it or completely rejects it, and comes up with a whole other one. And that fascinates mm-hmm. me. So I read philosophy more as sort of speculative kinds of fictions. Yeah. Well, um, so anyway, I think I'm gonna, going to just kind of put out there what – this is making me a little nervous. I'm putting myself on the line here because I'm going to tell you, like, my impression or my thoughts, my, my psychoanalysis, my bullshit – well, whatever, my self-proclaimed psychoanalysis of oh, this. feel free. And then I want to see how you react, Okay. So what I, I need f- a box of Kleenex. Yeah, I think I'm gonna one who's <laughs> gonna need a box of Kleenex for God's sakes. Um, anyway, what's really interesting to me is how intellectual. If you look at this, um, I'm holding it in my hands. It's four pages, eleven point type um, interview. There's so much stuff that um, we can't. Though, just like it says things like this, and I quote Ken. Somehow the mind-brain system has a way of enriching what enters consciousness through your optical equipment and through other senses. Um, he says, um, the, um, well, anyway, he says, um, nothing I do with ball and cone is conceptually premeditated. Okay, so it comes from an emotional place, but philosophy is so intellectual. So I'm going to say um, that the, the, the comic is so simple, but so, emo- so intellectually complex, and it's really hard to make a connection, hard for me to make a connection between the emotional um, sensibility, quality, of the artist, comic book artist, with the um, images. Like, in other words, everything in it is so spare and so universal. Um, you get a, an, an, an emotional um, uh, feeling of the the characters, the bon cone, and there's sort of, there's fear and all those things, but it's really hard to translate that into... I don't see a lot of what makes you, you, Ken, but also at the same time, um, when I read this interview, I hear, I have some, I get the impression that you're very, very, um, you're, you're, you're thinking a lot. As a matter of fact, this stuff is like, I can't believe you're on this radio show. I mean, you must be thinking like you, you, you would get a headache, folks. That's all I'm saying. 
if I had to live in your brain, the way that you can process, I can't believe this must be like, you must feel like you're in a room with like a kindergartner right now. I mean, it's crazy <laughs> that we're even having this conversation because your brain is so freaking dense and you're thinking thoughts, but thoughts about, you know, what it means to be. And so that's one thing. That's the point I was going to make is that there's something so complex and so simple, but yet so intellectual and so removed at the same time. And then, and then there's something else that uh, sh- that seemed a little bit of a, a peek behind the curtain. There's two parts that you talk about power. You talk about cute um, that it's really important. Or you would lose, it says here, I would lose interest in ball and cone if it weren't so darn cute. Uh, and then you're very self-deprecating. It says, I'm cu- it's kind of embarrassing, though, a grown man doing these cute little things. What's that about? Well, that's what I'm here for. And then, um, so um, you also um, go on to say, um, there can be no experience of any person or object Listen to this guy. Listen to this. This is so long and tedious. I'm sorry. I don't want to bore you. (laughs) But anyway, there can be no experience of any person or object as cute that does not somehow call up the subject sense of power over those who are less powerful. So I think what Ken's saying is that like uh, cute makes people, makes things vulnerable, images vulnerable. So there's a sense of power that you're talking about um, that those things don't, that ball and cone are cute. So there's a power, there's a power, there's an issue of power there. And then there's also an issue of power reflected in um, the seeing and being seen concept, which um, where you point out that, I mean, a lot of the comic is them being seen, seeing somebody seeing them. There's these two black, there's a black ball and cone characters who are ominous and so there's a power between observing and being seen and being the one who's seen. So there's two little two points where you talk about power, but the rest is oblique. So I wonder if power is an issue. So Ken, does that make sense? What I said on any level? Well, that I think that quote. I I was uh, referring to a book by. Do you see? Is oh a, yes, a book by. It's a wonderful book. If you read the title, I can't remember the title or the author. Yeah, it's a wonderful book by. Um, let's see. It's. Um, it's by a. Well, anyway, I'll find it in a minute. Nagy and N G A I. How do you say that, right? Yeah, she she teaches. I think at Stanford. She's a literary critic. And the book is called something like Our Aesthetic Categories. And the categories she talks about are cute, zany, and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody in the art world should read this because if you look at art these days, that covers a lot of what gets made by people these days. Interesting. Including the art that you make, Dr. Lisa. <laughs> and what do you what do you what do you what do you um think think that's about is that Well, she she explains it and and I and try, I can't quite remember now. But uh, it may have to do with something to do with power or and feelings of helplessness, uh desire to be saved, to be taken care of. Uh, feelings of vulnerability, but do you do you think it's like cute, vulnerable art is appealing to people? Is that what gets the attention? I think yeah. And I mean, the, the, there's this weird thing in our culture about being young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, there's a kind of infantile quality to most pop culture, and. Um, I think it has something to do with our relationship to authority and and uncertainty about that and a desire for authority and at the same time a deep mistrust of authority. Yeah. Um, I also think like comedy is all about people making themselves power. You know, they have power, but they feel sort of or they present themselves as not having power so you can laugh at them. 
So it's a similar, I mean, I think a lot of entertainment and I think art and entertainment are, are, have totally collided, right? Or really close together now. Oh, yeah. More and more and more. Well, I think what's interesting about comedy and, and, and art is that comedy, a joke, for instance, starts by setting up a certain expectations. There's a certain narrative going along, so you're, the momentum of the narrative is leading you to some mm-hmm. conclusion, and then suddenly it, sh- it shifts. Mm-hmm. Right, a surprise. Something completely different ha- uh, turns right, out. Right, right. Uh, you know Mike Amato? I think. Yeah, I know Mike. Yeah, he's he great. I love jo- him. He tells one of my favorite jokes. Here, I'm going to get in trouble. Do you mind if I... No, you? no, no, no. Go ahead. We would so, love to hear so, that. So, uh, 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 Billy, uh, eight-year-old Billy, is having a birthday party, and his uncle uh, says, Billy, uh, so uh, how's it going with the ladies? And Billy says, girls are dumb. And Uncle Jimmy says, oh, you just you wait, uh, Billy. You'll find out later. Not only they're dumb, but they're insane. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> I love Mike. Mike's a good friend of the station. Yeah. So Nate, yeah. I've told him I love that joke. I love that joke. That's great. But you see, you see what happens. You know, you think you think, think he's going to say you'll, you'll grow up and and you'll learn that girls are really interesting and attractive, but they're crazy. They're they're like insane. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're just trouble. They're co- complicated. So I think you know that he, like there's more humor in art in contemporary art, mainstream contemporary art now than there ever has been. Oh yeah. And I think that goes to sort of are constantly shifting uncertainty about reality and the nar- right. and the narratives that we rely on to am I getting too uh, no it's interesting not- <laughs> but you know what I'm, I'm gonna say as your therapist for today for this hour am that I you're getting a, I'm, I'm feeling a little resistance because I mean it was really complicated I felt under a lot of pressure I hope I didn't like act like an idiot but like I wanted to put that thought together and put it out in front of you um and get your reaction to it because what I really wanted to know or what I want to talk about is your emotional connection to your work and oh, where right. your emotional connection comes through and and if it does come through or what your issues are with it. What can we learn about Ken Johnson emotionally um, from your work? Well, one thing is because I do them every day, they, they, have, they do kind of track my moods. Mm-hmm. So okay. if I'm feeling exuberant, they'll be more expansive. Mm-hmm. Re- a few weeks ago, I started doing something really different, which, which was to make a broad gesture with a wide brush, a kind of expressionist. Yeah, it's gesture. beautiful. I saw that. It was really surprising. Like creating yeah. a wave. Like I had yeah, long time surf, surfing. You know, and part of that is sort of a, a, a joke about abstract expressionism, but it's also about me feeling like, Yay, you know, I. You felt you were in a good mood that day, because and then, the, because some because the a lot of the comics are are static. Ah, uh, interesting. And ah, interesting. So that's a way to get movement in there. So you know the one with the 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 one that uh, you posted on Facebook of with the tornado. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to that talk was, about that. Was that was entirely thinking. You know, I had made some very fixed kind of paintings, and then I thought I want to do something more free. I've done waves, and uh, I should do a tornado. And I'm not thinking why I want to do a tornado, but Cone is caught up in the tornado, and and Ball is watching, and I, you know, you said that was a dark image, and it, I, to me and it I, was. I mean, and I. Sense that, and I and and honestly, I don't really you don't, know I mean, how to explain it pers- but, as a personal thing. But but I do think probably I s- emotionally have a desire to be swept up and carried away. And and I uh, so. But what about the tone, the darkness? Is there a dark? Is is? I mean, I'm you know, yeah, you're well, you. In, in I'm my, I'm just making an observation. I'm not right. In so. my personal history, you know, I have a history of um, 
translating that desire into using uh, drugs and alcohol to sweep me away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, having wonderful fun doing that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And then not. So I've been sober for four years. So mm. uh, at least. Yeah, that's at least, a long time. At least alcoholically. Yeah. Sober. And. Uh, but this desire to be swept up and, and, and just, you know, annihilated in, in some kind of, in love or in, in just sheer exuberance is still there. I'm 62 years old and it, you know, I'm not, I'm not growing up that way, you know. What does that mean, I'm not growing up that way? Well, I was just referring to your theme song. The, 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 the desire to, to to just like go nuts, I think we always kind of have in us. Um. Yeah. I mean. Um. I think. I think if you have it, you have it. Um. um obviously, and there are constructive ways to do that. To let go of to 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 let off steam or let's call it like letting off steam Get really your isn't it? Out yeah i ex- mean express you know vent right right and so so i think you know that uh, you're talking about being intellectual a lot of artists critics talk about art in very analytic ways of course and the notion of art as being expressive is sort of not fashionable um yeah as a in when you look at critical theory well when you're talking about art yeah i mean that's like because i guess it's like you know it's like observing animals and not anthropomorphizing them but in my practice as a therapist as a pretend therapist i mean i'm really interested in understanding people through their work Mm. because i think that um there are a lot of hidden emotions in it yeah, or, no, or I feel that way as a as a critic. About artists, about, about the art I, that you're looking at. About art, yeah. That there's a lot of hidden emotions, and do you feel like you can't talk about them? No, I don't feel that way. So you in your writing, you do talk about them, or do you feel like you don't have access to discussing them because the person's not there, or you don't have my job? You know, you could do it. <laughs> oh, like. No, what I think you, the I I sort of resp- I look at art and I respond to how it makes me feel. Oh, okay. Now I'm getting. And then it. I try to figure out what is it about the work that made me feel that way. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, so, so um, well, let's go back to the tor- the hurricane, the tornado. So the tornado um gives you a feeling. I mean, I look at that and I say, oh, he must have been depressed that day. Oh really? Yeah, I'm surprised that you're surprised. No, that, I, that's interesting. I may have been. This was a hard week. <laughs> um, because some nights I get I I do this at night, and I watch I have Netflix movies on mm-hmm. while I'm while I'm doing it, and 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 I think I got to make a I got to make another one. Mm-hmm. I just it's my job. I got I want to post one and and I don't always feel inspired right but I just think I'm gonna do whatever um, I when I sometimes I'll look back and I'll think oh yeah that looks depressed a little depressed and then I'll think and I was feeling that way mm-hmm. but I don't always know that when I do right. it it's in retrospect that I start to understand right understand right it. Which is why I'm in actually interested in your interpretation because other people might see something that that I didn't know was there. Well, well I think it would be really interesting. I mean, maybe I'll post it um, if you're cool. I'm going to post. We could ask people, like on my Facebook page, what they thought, how you felt when you made this drawing. What's the feeling <laughs> of this drawing? Are you cool with that? Because I'd, lo- I'd love to get some feedback on that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, because personally, um, for me, I can't imagine that somebody would look at that and say that person wasn't in a really dark place and feeling some turmoil and out of control. That's, I mean, that could be totally me projecting, because I'm certainly there a lot at that place. But 
Um, that's what I. That's what feels very clear to me. I mean, what's 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 but what but Did what? Did you think it was funny? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's like the the characters are so. I want to say like. As smart and complicated as your brain works, I think, if I'm right, the feeling I get is those characters are kind of the opposite of that. They're morons. They're not morons, <laughs> no, but they're very, like, they're very basic. Like, they're not, like, I, I'm just saying through, I'm wondering, or what I, what, what I, what I think is that there's so much, um, there's so much volume of thinking in your in your head that sometimes your feelings get lost in the thinking. Does that make any well, sense? Well, one thing about doing it is it's a relief from writing. Yeah. To just think visually. Sure. And you're really great at it, by the way. I mean, it's amazing. I had no idea that you had an art background. I mean, they're so sophisticated and perfect. Seriously, they're perfect. Um, and um, so it's like, you mean the, the same Ken Johnson? It doesn't seem like, you know, it's quite, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily know that. I'm sure a lot of people but, say that. But it's true. I'm a tightly wound person. I'm not. Okay. And I am cerebral. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot of what I'm doing is as you suggest, somehow trying to negotiate between my feelings and my ability to be integrated with them. Mm, interesting. Well, when you started talking, and I noticed this too because I was looking at your work, as you know, recently. And one of the, one of the, I think one of the primary feelings, and and this all started at. Reverend Jen's launch party, mm-hmm. where I said you should analyze my cartoons. Right. And yes. Took, and you look briefly at a few on yeah on my iPhone, and you said some very insightful things. One mm. of which had to do with you said, well, which was really true. Which was my in in my position. This is what you said to me that in my position as a critic, ar- art critic. There's a there's an isolating factor. Ah. A socially yes. isolating factor. Right. Because it's in the nature of criticism to sort of maintain a certain distance. Right, right, not, right. Not get too involved. Right. And that's very true. So you feel the weight of that. Like you you don't want to go to a lot of parties with I mean you you know, I've thought about it. Like your writing can actually influence the market to some degree, can it? If you write like a really glowing review about somebody, it might be a contributing factor in their sales. Yeah, that's the common perception. I don't. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's less true now than it might have been twenty, thirty years ago. But I mean, collectors now have so much more power to determine. Right, but you do have. I mean, your influence, your role as a critic is a serious one. Well, as far it has as has responsibilities. Yeah, and I mean, mostly. I think artists are artists want to sell their work, but they also love to be uh, have attention paid to them. Oh yeah, of and, course. And so, so that puts me in a a position of like, do you want? Are you? Do you have me on this show? Because oh. you think I might eventually promote you as an artist oh jesus that's <laughs> frightening to me see it's really see, scary see, to me that you would think but i thought about it too i don't actually think that but right because i i mean in in let in in let i worried about this more when i was younger right not, right not right now also i mean i'm I where i am anymore, yeah so. and i'm where i am i am where i am and it's what gonna be what it's gonna be yeah so so uh but i think it it did weigh on me a lot when I started writing for the Times, hmm. uh, uh, which was 15 years ago. Right, right, and so, and also, I mean, like you get invited to everything, I'm sure. So, um, so, do what's your feeling about when you get about all the do, about doing it? Do you about going to social things with artists? Do you, you 
do you avoid it because you feel the the responsibility of being like not involved or you do avoid it because you feel like you're going to be mobbed or harassed or people are going <laughs> to be bugging you? And artists I do just, that. Artists do that. I see it at galleries all the time. I mean, people off the street are always going into galleries trying to get their work shown. So I'm sure, like, it's not a made-up idea. I'm sure you're subject to that. I know. They that. are. The art world is, is strange. I'll, I'll go, I do go to openings. I don't... Ones that I'm partic- for some reason interested in, or there may be a friend having a show, or a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. And some of the openings I'll go to and have tremendous fun because I'll see people that I know and and feel an affinity with or meet somebody new Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. openings I'll go to I don't know a person in the room and it's very stiff Uh, I you know I got tired of the kind of the dinners the celebratory dinners and uh, especially museum you know type things at moments and stuff I just uh, yeah I avoid those that's just not fun for you I mean, it's like you've gone to... The it first one was... It makes me kind of sick. Oh. You know? uh, oh, I could see that. Oh, and I used to, you know, it, used, it used to be that uh, the great thing about openings is you could get free booze. And, and right. that's not an interest of mine anymore. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I dip in and out. And I usually, I think, I want to go home. I got to make a ball and cone drawing. But how do you feel about it, Ken? Here's the thing. How do you feel about this? Is God, God, we gotta, yeah, we're gonna have to get you in. Like, no. um, this is what my shrink yells. At. I'm just imitating my shrink, really. She yells at me at this, yells me at this. Your Yell, shrink yells at you? No, I'm being facetious, sorry, whatever. But, Ken, um, how do you feel? Like, you told me what it's like, but, like, what is it like? Like, do you feel isolated? Do you feel like you wish you could be with some of those people? Do you feel like you wish you could go? Do you feel like you... What, it affects your social life. Like, how does it, like, do you wish you had more friends that weren't in the art world? Or, like, what is it like? Do you wish, you know, like, what? what's that like? Do you feel awkward with people that well, are in? I, that I, don't have, I don't have a girlfriend right now, <laughs> and that's something you I'd would like, like to have a girlfriend. To... But I don't know. I've gotten awful weird in my old age, and 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 I don't. I I'm a little bit stymied by that issue. I feel like a desire for community, mm-hmm. uh, community based not on like people. Uh, uh, advancing their professions, but just right. enjoying each other. Right. You know, I'm in. A, right. I'm in a book reading group with some artists, oh, that's and, cool. I, and I love that. You know, mm-hmm. but but you know, the city and the people that if you're in the art world, everybody's striving so uh, so hard. Ah. Uh, you know, and, and I could just see so that. busy, and the work the work ethic, which often gets translated into just networking rather than working right, in the studio, right. is just so intense so I mean I lived I lived in upstate New York for many years mm-hmm. it's very different mm-hmm. you know people are more I you know I don't it's very boring but but uh, mm-hmm. and it can be have its own sort of uh, bizarre dysfunctions social dysfunctions but if you live in Albany New York or Troy New York the sense of mm-hmm. uh, being sort of immersed in professional competition is a little it's a little more distant right. I could see how I could see how and I people could who s- live outside of New York get weird ideas about about the competition and, no and I know. could I could see I could see <clears throat> how that is um and um that is interesting that you don't have a girlfriend sort of you know I would you know I'm sure you meet I mean whatever uh yeah well you know, it's good that we're talking about this here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been discussing this with my own therapist. So oh, really? I'm, I'm what do you think it's about? Or what? 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 What's what? Why? Why am I uh, or, a loner? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Are you? Do you want to be? Al- I mean, you'd like to have a girlfriend, but um, do you want to be alone? Are you a loner because, or do you not have a girlfriend because you're not socializing enough or making the effort enough or going on Tinder or whatever you're supposed to do nowadays? Um, I don't know. Do I have intimacy issues? I don't know. I, w- I was, I've, I've 
I was married twice mm-hmm. for once for 20 years and once for four years. Uh, I think part, partly, part being, so having been in, in that, in those relationships and then another long-term one, there's something kind of great about being single ah. and having, and, and I do have a tendency to, to solitude you know, I'll go for days without talking to somebody, and and, and you're because ha- you, you've got so much going on in the uh, right upstairs, that right inside. Yeah, I do, and and uh, so I. Sp- yeah, I could see all that. all my time is taken up. You know, it's funny because I do find at this age, and we're 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 close in age, um, is that um, especially with um, the women that I'm friends with, a lot of them who are single, like they're just like. Why do I want somebody? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I totally get it. I could totally see. Well, you know, and, and it it's weird because the cultural kind of environment of, of the popular culture is if you're not, like, having crazy passionate sex every day, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and well, that's weird, too. And even if you're 62 years old, you know, you ought to be doing that. that it, yeah. Yeah, that's weird, too. Yeah, yeah, was, that's just weird. I was watching, you know, I watch these movies all the time, and every sex scene is, like, they run into some space, and they fuck standing up, and they both have orgasms at the same time. Yeah, right. Within which, 30 seconds. Which and is it's a, like, why, how come I don't have that kind of life? <laughs> but I think, again, it goes to this... The, the infantilization of our culture that that just uh, yeah can't, no, can't imagine what, what it's like to be uh, to be an, an older person yeah no I get an, it to be an adult or what it's what that stage of life actually entails yeah and you know like I was reading about. Yeah, Madonna, I mean, like... Yeah, I read she, that, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like she's sort of... Propag- like, in other words, getting old means that you still have to be really sexy. Which Cher, Cher did the same thing before her. Right, and like, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily kind of respectful of getting old. But, you know, I have this question that I just want to get to because we're getting towards the end, and I want to kind of bring it back to the beginning, which was when you made that first painting, it was really clear what you were feeling and that that painting seemed like a much more like a very direct expression of something you were feeling you could put a story to it a literal story but when we but through talking about your work um it doesn't seem that way now is there something in you that's changed was that is that true oh no i think it's the same when when i made that painting it wasn't until long after i made it that i thought or it wasn't until i finished it I mean, I tend to speculate about my work and anybody else's work in these sort of psychological mm-hmm. terms. And mm-hmm. I, and and again, with what I'm doing now, I just get this image, and I think that's funny and strange, and it has some kind of paradoxical ambiguity about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, essentially, I feel like I'm going around in the world trying to figure it out. Trying to right. understand what the heck is going on, and uh, at many different levels, and and I'm not answering your question. No, that's uh, okay. No, I was just thinking. I have, um, I have, um, I I think I have a conclusion. Um, if 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 whatever for what it's worth. When I'll say this, you're like the opposite of what I do would be a kind of confessional comic. Right, the, and a lot of people do that. Oh some, yeah, some of them do easy. it very well. No, there's a lot of it, and and that doesn't interest me. Right, you know, I don't, you know, how somebody's just on the page it, like that. Yeah, I mean, some of it's great, and some of it's just routine. Yeah. So uh, this well, is, yeah. No, I mean, I understand that you're not interested in doing that, and that's probably what is interesting to me about the comic because it's so oblique to me. Right. And so I'm challenged by that. Um, but I certainly, you know, we have, I mean, myself included, there's plenty of self-confessional work in this world. It's There's way too much of it. I, 
you know, it's really, I mean, it's really refreshing to have something that's so universal, believe you me. Um, but what I was thinking, this is what just what I'm thinking, I'm thinking like it's really interesting. I mean, you talk about having an intimacy problem, you may have some, I do get the sense that like you're not, you know, your interest, your nature isn't necessarily to connect emotionally on the. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit about.